starting up with VirtuZone on Dubai Eye 103.8. Going live here on Starting Up with VirtuZone. Great to have you with us on a Thursday afternoon, one through till two, each and every Thursday. It is Starting Up with VirtuZone. Myself, Tom Merker, joined in studio by the chairman of VirtuZone, Mr. Neil Petch. Uh, and what a week it has been, Neil. Always good to see you. But this was the week that you and all your VZ team embraced three letters, T. A-X. And not only that, Tom, you've just made an accountant sound sexy. You've called him <laughs> JC. He's, 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 he's already got a nom de plume. He's JC from NZ, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the man. He's the man of the plan. And yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant to be in the UAE at the moment. And, and uh, listeners, Gary was saying, wouldn't it be nice just to have good news on the news? So what better way to to actually lead from the front but to talk about tax from a positive angle. But enough of that for now. Let's come on to that later. That's coming up in just a little while. Who Gary, you're asking out there? Well, uh, Gary B, our success spotlight for you this afternoon and for this week. Uh, A newly formed organisation made up of, uh, as its website says, builders, investors, executives and other good human beings supporting founders around the world. Uh, The group's called Angel Spark and we're joined by the... Well, one of the co-founders uh, of a variety of different entities, uh, but we're going to see him as the founder here today. Gary Shankman uh, also co-founded Laden Ventures, investing in technology companies as well as Further Ventures, where he and his team uh, work with founders to build new companies in uh, the fintech and the digital assets worlds. It is a warm welcome to Gary to the show. Gary, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I think I, I want to point out that you know all of these things frequently take a village uh, <laughs> to to actually accomplish. Uh, you know, and Angel Spark is really a labor of love uh, between seven of the founding members uh, who've known each other and worked together for you know close to a decade now. Uh, all of us have been kind of deep in the uh, startup community. You know, whether as mentors or actually running programming for early stage founders, uh, and we've you know found ourselves in a place where we live in this incredibly vibrant place that over the past several years have had this massive population influx. So the number of entrepreneurs building, uh, especially technology companies here, has dramatically increased and has been very, very exciting. Uh, but the resources available to them uh, and getting that you know, first $50,000, $100,000 has never been more difficult. Uh, in many ways, you know, venture capital firms have gone a little bit up market in terms of their check sizes. And a lot of the early stage development programs uh, have migrated to our neighbors in, in Riyadh. Uh, and so, you know, we took it upon ourselves uh, to step into this void and to provide a resource which we would have wanted to have, you know, when we were starting out. So to that end, um, Gary, and we look at your CV and look, you've had a few adventures along the way. You've nailed the ventures along the way as well. You've made that your own. But why the need for the spark? Why Angel Spark? And what what solution does that fix at the moment? What hole does it fill? I think if you ask uh, an entrepreneur, you know, that has quit their job, formed the company and and is doing something, you know, that they're super passionate about, uh, you know, what frustrates them most about VCs or professional investors or even just, you know, general angel investors is that uh, there's a lack of clarity on on process. Uh, And, you know, sometimes a professional investment firm will say, hey, come back when you do X and Y. 
or at any given point in time, you know, I'm, I'm a venture capitalist, right? We might have 20, 30 more deals that we look at and deprioritize and prioritize based on our own portfolio. And very frequently, it's very difficult to get an answer, uh, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for horrible ones. And we're all people with overflowing inboxes. And so something that we wanted to fix is that if you're an entrepreneur that is selected to pitch the organization, you will get an answer from us, positive or negative, on the same day as you pitch. We will make that commitment to you. Uh, and assuming that you have a company and you know you go through kind of basic diligence, you will get a wire. Uh, and that is extremely rare to get that kind of commitment and to understand that you are walking out the door uh, with a group you know, of people that are ultimately behind you and your success. Clarity. That is, I mean, it's the same thing applying for a bank account. You just want to be told yay or nay. And if you haven't provided all the documents, told which documents you, you need. And one of the big mistakes that people make, that entrepreneurs make, is chasing the dragon, chasing the money. So you're cutting that out. You know, it's going to happen fast. I think that's fabulous. Mm. Yeah. The other thing that we wanted to fix is that for many, uh, I think, entrepreneurs fundraising, you know, they will go to finance people, right, or venture capitalists or firms that are primarily focused on the business of deploying capital. But what you need the most at the earliest stages is, you know, who is going to be the VP at an Atesalat or who is going to be, you know, a regulator that you can access, who are going to be the people that will help open doors, not for investment, but for commercial contracts, who are going to be able to guide you on how to actually build your organization. And so I, I think, you know, besides the money where I would invite entrepreneurs to pitch us, not because necessarily they'll get the check, but because should we invest, we'll be able to open up the community, uh, our community to them as part of our commitment to making them successful. Garen, let's just examine the the 24-hour claim because it's a brilliant claim. I can see the billboard on the Sheikh Zayed Road now. How do you actually go about being able to deliver on that? Sure. Uh, so what happens when an entrepreneur fills out an application form on our site, uh, they go into a pipeline. Uh, internally, we have a selection committee where we'll screen all of these applications. And then instead of having people pitch for their second pitch or repitch uh, and continuously engage with the organization, we invite a member within AngelSpark to sponsor a company that they feel uh, that they have conviction about, uh, whether they like the entrepreneur or they're an expert in the sector, they will then take it upon themselves to speak with the entrepreneur, conduct a basic diligence, uh, and really handhold them up to the actual pitch to the community. And so they will make an introduction of who the company is and why they're excited about it. Uh, and then at that point in time, the diligence has been largely completed. We know that there has been a member in the community that has taken a look um, at the organization. And so by virtue of that, we should hear them out. And then it is just a yes or no decision in terms of do the members of the investment committee, which is made up of all the members, um, is, you know, are, you know, do we have consensus that this is a worthwhile investment? And, you know, that is a deliberation that should take 30 minutes to an hour. And, and so we just make it or not. And Gary, um, entrepreneurs out there are desperate to find where the money is, and Dubai increasingly is is that source. On your side, you're after content, you're after deal flow. How do you go about making sure that you get better access to, to deal flow than your competitors out there? 
Um, I think we don't really have competitors, right? You know, we don't go out as a financial services firm and try to raise capital, right? You know, I, I don't go to the sovereign wealth funds and say, hey, you know, invest in Angel Spark and we'll give you good deal flow. Uh, you know, we're doing this as a, you know, community initiative. Um, none of the board members get paid for this. We don't have economics uh, in these businesses. Uh, we bought our membership stakes just like any other member does. Uh, and so the entire, you know, this is a benevolent organization as as we'd like to call it uh, in terms of how you know we secure deal flow you know hopefully by spreading the word and so thank you so much you know for having me on the show but also we take pride of being really active within the startup communities right so whether it's the various accelerator programs whether it's organ professional organizations like Thai uh, you know we pride on having members that you know want to reference uh, entrepreneurs to the organization and we hope that you know we have a network of entrepreneurs that when they have peers that are looking for that first check that they ask us to review is it is it is it part of the sort of culture? I mean, I'm looking at it and a lot of people when they come into a startup um, environment, etc. And a lot of people have been nurturing an idea that's their baby and therefore they can be quite protective of it. They can be quite ring-fenced of it. And with that comes that sort of, you know, don't want to let them know about it, etc. Isn't that sort of anti the community system that you see of opening up and trying to get help from the village around you? Um, I, I think that that's a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, you know, ideas are cheap. Uh, look, unless you're doing, you know, complex pharmaceutical work or material <laughs> science or, or this kind of stuff, um, you know, it's just, I can tell you, hey, it's a great idea to do, uh, you know, some sort of logistics company, but that doesn't mean you'll go out and build an Uber, mm. uh, right? There's this incredible line uh, in the Facebook movie from years ago where, you know, the actor that plays Mark Zuckerberg said, you know, if you created Facebook, you would have created Facebook. Uh, and, and so I, I think that goes, you know, for really any technology company. There's a very good reason uh, why venture capital firms categorically do not sign NDAs. Uh, because great ideas, uh, good ideas, uh, very frequently happen in parallel, right? You know, smart yeah. people will look at a market, they'll see a problem, and then that's how competition forms in, in really any sector. And it's really very frequently a matter of execution and access to capital and network that makes the difference. So quick question from you. You mentioned earlier on, you know, part of the reason you're there is to help people fix things. When things go wrong, you can fix it or you can point them down the right path, etc. If you look at the startup, startup ecosystem as it is at the moment, I know that's something that Neil and his team have worked tirelessly for in the last 15, 16 years. But if you look at the ecosystem now compared to maybe other parts of the world, what's broken and what needs to be fixed? Um, I, I think it's important to not necessarily compare uh you know, ecosystems between each other yeah. because some markets have been around forever uh, and they're incredibly deep. You know, I, I don't think it makes sense to compare ourselves to Silicon Valley, right? You've had universities for, you know, you know, decades, yeah, decades yeah, yeah. Uh, that have been putting out, uh, you know, studies and whatnot. And there's communities and companies that are formed around that. What I think is very important to think about is the progress that we've made, you know, over the past decade plus. 
you know, I, I remember, you know, coming to Dubai for the first time in 2008 and man, the progress that we've made here, you know, over that time has been incredible. There were no venture capital firms. There were no accelerators. Um, there weren't, you know, you know, free zones that were easily accessible to companies to create holding companies to be able to issue options to their employees and to reward them for the work that they're doing. And so in terms of progress that we've made uh, from kind of the baseline to where we are now, that rate of change has been incredible. Does that mean that we're there? No. You know, I, I think it's still too expensive, you know, to operate a business. You know, I think if you're a large, you know, if you're a large organization, yeah, sure, ten thousand dollars a year licensing visas is is not a whole lot of money to you. But for an entrepreneur, you know, you might be thinking, man, I need to, you know, incorporate, but I could also, you know, hire a person for a year to actually do the work. Uh, and so there's a lot of cost friction. Yeah. Uh, there's some regulatory, and you know, obviously there's banking friction as well. So I think when we make Facebook two the movie. Us. Coming out of Dubai, okay. obviously we're the old uh, fossils in it. Gary's got the perfect accent. Yeah. He, he is he is an example of the brain gain that Dubai is having. Ukrainian with an accent like that, and and listeners, trust me, a face to match us. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a movie. I, I think there's a video feed of this as well, so you guys can get uh, a chance. <laughs> Listen, we could talk for a lot longer. As I say, it is an intriguing conversation this one, but we got lots of people waiting in the green room, uh, and we need to, to 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 wrap. But before that, okay, we're sold. Um, we're, we've bought in Neil and myself already. So how do we find the spark? How do we get? How do we get in touch with Angel Spark? What have you got coming up? What are you doing in the community? What's next? Uh, thank you uh, for asking. Uh, so angelspark.net is the website. There is a registration form for both startups that are interested in funding, uh, as well as members who are interested to join the organization from the capital and resources side. Uh, we as a group meet monthly, uh, where we'll make that investment decision, you know, at least once a month. Uh, the next one is in November. Uh, we did do a very public launch at Jitex, and you know the organization at Northstar was extremely supportive, you know, of, of the initiative. Uh, but going forward, it's going to be private, uh, largely because we want to create the space for entrepreneurs uh, and give them the respect that so they actually have an opportunity to pitch uh, and for us to ask thornier questions than we might <laughs> want to do on stage in front of everyone. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is something that we'll, I think, hope to continue doing, you know, well into our later years once 100%. I catch up with you guys. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, listen, we'll stay in touch. One last request. Can Neil and I come to your next margarita pizza party? Absolutely. Uh, it much. is going to be in, you know, just a couple of weeks in November. We will stay in touch, that's for sure. Listen, Gary, I've really enjoyed that one. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Uh, Thank you so for much coming for having in, me. Uh, sharing a bit more light uh, on what you're doing and the best of luck with the Angel Spark, you and the co-founders, of course. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Gary for joining us live in studio. Up next, we're talking climate tech and how to keep across all your carbon credits. The CEO of Olive Gaia joining us live here in studio. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to Starting Up with Virtue Zone. Now, the UN Climate Change Conference COP28 is but a few weeks away. Starts 
At the end of November, one of the biggest conversations will revolve around how companies can reduce their carbon emissions. Well, to help us, uh, we are joined by the CEO of Olive Gaia. They help businesses measure, reduce uh, and adapt carbon emissions and disclose their climate action. I know that might sound a bit confusing to a lot of our listeners, but worry not, because Vivek Tripathi is with us here to explain all. Vivek, thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks for having us. So you're, you're a carbon accounter if you like, or certainly help with the accounting of carbon credits for companies. Not Again, I think it's one of those phrases, and I stand by this, I think carbon credits is one of those phrases everyone goes, oh yeah, carbon credits. But if they're really honest with themselves, they don't really understand what it actually means. So can you explain it to me as a non-understander of what you do and what carbon credits are? Right. So start with, I guess, before going into carbon credits, uh, need to understand really what carbon accounting is all about. We all understand accounting is all in terms terms of financials, I mean, how financials being accounted for. Uh, there, what we do is basically find out what are the revenues for the company, where the expenses lying up. So do you basically, you do basically the whole financial accounting just to understand how the company's performance performing on the, on the terms of the financials as such. Carbon accounting, on the other hand, it's somewhat in the similar parlance, helps you understand where exactly the carbon is being emitted from your business. Mm. So all your emission, understand from the perspective that you're adding that to the environment. Carbon credits, on the other hand, is sort of a revenue, I mean, just a proxy of the revenue, right? So there are two elements to it, the revenue and the cost. Carbon emission is in cost element in that parlance. The carbon credit is in the revenue element from that perspective. That's how you do. Carbon accounting actually involves in terms of identifying each and every bit of your operations within the business, where you identify, where you are adding greenhouse gas emissions to the climate as such. But Vivek, so a lot of people listening, you know, they understand that the shells of this world, the emirates of this world have a direct relevance mm. to this. But us idiots here, us Luddites who carbon, we can just about spell it, let alone understand <laughs> it. Um, and, and a lot of the people listening, they're in a tiny startup, a three-man operation who, like you, use the metro to avoid their emissions. But how can, can you explain the relevance of your company to, to someone that has a three-man operation, a management consultancy uh, that hasn't planted a tree or operates a bus? Right. Well, I guess very, very relevant. Actually, I guess all of this climate change, when it comes to it, really boils down to us as individuals. When, when we collectively talk about it, it goes down to a business level, then we are talking about large corporates, again, having employees around it. Whether we are a two-people organization, two organization or a 200 or 2,000, all of this basically engages or involves your employees to be traveling to attend to your office. Now, it depends on what sort of work culture that you have. Are you allowing work from home? In that scenario, you're definitely carrying that even a metro ride. While I took a metro ride, what I can't completely avoid is metro is running on electricity and that electricity is being generated in some power plants which might be burning a fuel oil, mm -hmm. which eventually is giving to some amount of so emission. So it's personal attitudes, it's, basically. It's That's what precisely. you're seeking to... Yeah to yeah. effects. Okay. What's the, what are the biggest mistakes when it comes to a company's carbon footprint, you know, be it a three-man operation or be it a three-continent uh, multi-international? Is, is, is the element of responsibility that you've just been touching on there, is that something that people address from the very off? Or are a lot of people putting this away as part of CSR, a, a box that needs to be ticked at the moment? Right. 
how I would see that the whole transition is currently happening. It used to be something similar to what you just mentioned that the businesses are trying to just stay away from and keeping more in the bucket of CSR as such. Mm. But there's a stark difference in terms of what CSR is all about and what exactly is your sustainability action. Mm. When we talk about very specifically your action against climate change challenge, it is about, first of all, identifying where exactly my business is contributing those emissions, mm. whether it could be from my manufacturing operation or my sourcing operation or from whatever purchases that I might be doing or my product itself, while the product is being used by the end user, eventually it might be generating a lot of emissions out there. Look at it, a very simple example. I might be making an EV car as such. Eventually, that EV is being used on the road burning electricity first of all to be charged the batteries to be charged right so all that electricity based emission is still being associated my ev producing i might say that i'm really helping transportation sector to go net zero mm. but eventually that ev is also eventually adding a lot of emission from the electricity purchases as such the battery which is, which is going into that ev itself needs a good amount of mining exercise to be done before right all the lithium that you need all the elements that you need to make that electricity battery as such all that elements added up together makes up the whole carbon carbon emission from the business. And that's where it comes to. If you don't address it as a business, what could happen? If people just ignore this and their responsibility, what's the downside of that? Are they, are they going to get caught up on? Uh, of course, yes. So that's that's like a carrot and stick that people do understand. Uh, in the rest of the world, how it had happened, I mean, if we take a very evolved example of EU, how it had happened is, while Paris Climate Agreement and before that UNFCCC had come out very specific regulations on NX1 countries, the countries, those, those are the most developed, uh, those are most industrialized, uh, they had been accounted for all the emission that had been added to the environment. Mm. Eventually, how it's catching up in countries like UAE, where the leadership is very, very clear about achieving a net zero goal by 2050. The regulation definitely is oncoming and that's one way to bring the business which is sitting on the brink today might not be taking that action to help them take action. But at the same time, in the same breath, there are a set of organizations who are creating that sort of a leadership role from a perspective to be ready before even the regulation comes up, seeing this as an opportunity. Vivek, one of the things I like about this, you, you mentioned before talking about accounting, you wanted to establish what this is, but accountants, we traditionally view accountants until the last week, Tom, Careful, as being family safe, <laughs> as being secure. And that's good. We want an accountant to be that. And I suppose this industry is something that has an association with CSR, has an association with charity and doing the right thing, but also has an association with people using it for the wrong reasons. And that's where an accountant can come in and put that straight. So how do you go about doing that? Right. So accounting uh, in a very, very clear balance, as I was earlier mentioning, here the accounting is not about just the art of financing, right? Art of financials or understanding of financials as such. This is very, very scientific in a way, because while you are trying to evaluate the whole business carbon footprint, you really need to go drill down into how the energy consumption is happening, how efficient the whole plant is in terms of the energy consumption as such. What sort of energy mix do they have? What sort of fuel that I have and what sort of alternates that are available? So that really is a very, very core scientific process as such to do. Though, very, very unfortunately, it had been termed still little related to CSR, but it's way different from CSR in terms of you knowing very specifically with a science-backed approach, knowing precisely what my carbon emissions are, where exactly those levers are available within the business by which I can switch to less decarb less carbon intensive or rather completely decarbonized pathway. That's where the whole focus or rather the interest of the business today is happening. 
It's a fascinating uh, part of business at the moment, regardless of the size of your business. Last one from us, Vivek, uh, in 30 seconds before we, we say farewell. What's your piece, what's your advice to listeners out there, business setups, etc., who've got this on that list of things to do? They haven't crossed off the thing of list to do as yet. What's your advice to them now? So the, for the businesses, the very first thing is that you can't cut anything until you measure it. The very first step and definitive step one needs to do is to help identify what is my exact carbon emission, a very science-based approach. After identifying your carbon emission is the approach comes in identifying very clear hotspot where the biggest emission like the Pareto's rule, right? Hmm. 80 and 20. You find out where exactly the hotspot of emissions are. Look out for available commercial decarbonization levers, which you can deploy and eventually track on towards your net zero pathway as such. And that's where pretty much where Olive Gaia comes in, in terms of helping uh, our clans scientifically up take this whole approach of net zero. And if people want that help, how do they get hold of you? Uh, definitely, yes. Yeah. So we, have, we are available on all sorts of social media channels. We've got a website called olivegaia.com. And Gaia is G-A-E-A. -E okay. Very right. Very right. Perfect. Uh, Vivek, bless you. Thanks so much indeed. Thanks Thank for coming and explaining Thanks more. Thank uh, we are educated in this subject now, and we have, uh, we'll take it even further. Uh, that was Vivek Tripathi, the CEO of Olive Gaia, joining us live in studio. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Right, thanks so much indeed for tuning in to Starting Up with Virtue Zone, our weekly look at some of the issues that a number of people out there are facing when it comes to setting up business. Maybe you've started up already and you're looking to scale. Uh, maybe you've got a few issues. Well, worry not. One through till two each and every Thursday when the answers are delivered by the good people at Virtue Zone. Their chairman is, of course, Mr. Neil Petch, who's alongside me. And uh, there's only one word that has governed uh, all things at Virtue Zone this week. It's tax. It is. Several words, actually. True story, Tom. I was talking to a man earlier today with my trousers around my ankles. Mm -hmm. I was in up and running at the physio. Oh, yeah. And he said, are you, because I'm wearing this shirt, he said, are you from Virtue Zone? He said, is that a godfather offer? I said, what do you mean? He said, one of those ones that's too good to refuse. <laughs> Even the physios know about the sexiest accountant in town. One of our guests. <laughs> one of our guests who will be introduced momentarily. But before that, though, I mean, give me the sort of Virtue Zone uh, elevator pitch on this one. Why have you and your co-founders decided, why has the senior management of Virtue Zone decided to go into tax? As Gary said, what you've always got to do is identify a problem and seek to solve it. And we've got thousands of customers, 500 a month, setting up. And there's a problem staring them in the face, which is if they don't get tax ready very soon, they're not going to be able to focus on their business. They're going to be dealing with letters from the tax man. There's a very, very easy solution. It's easy for us to provide it. We've got an audience that we know are going to need that problem solving. So let's get to it. Virtue Zone have made a pledge. They're going to help 10,000 companies become tax ready, get this, by offering free accounting services. Do the maths for me on that one. <laughs> it's, it's actually better than that, isn't it? Because we're going to give you something free and we're going to guarantee, and I'm stealing JC's thunder here, but I heard it. I heard it from my physio. <laughs> we're going to guarantee that if you provide all the information, any fines that come your way, 
will pick him up. So there's a guarantee and something free. That's uh, the Godfather. The, the the man that we've been uh, referencing there is the man in charge of Virtue Zones Accounting and Tax, and he's joining us live here. He's dragged himself away from various media responsibilities. He's uh, Managing Director Accounting and Tax at Virtue Zone. It is John Lulu Lemon Casey joining us live here in studio. Uh, JC, good to see you as always back. Thank you, thank you. You always get priority. Don't worry. That's very kind. Yeah. Uh, listen, um, explain this one to us. 10,000 companies, tax-ready, free accounting services. Yep. Go figure. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, we've said it before, but that small and micro segment or sector of the economy has always been at the core of what VirtuZone does, right? And so we knew that we could go out and do something super, you know, extremely meaningful for all of these businesses, right? give them a free tax registration, free accounting for three months, and give them the comfort with that compliance guarantee. Absolutely free. Look, no one out there can complain of not having been forewarned about the tax system here in the UAE. Um, uh, It is now in place. What's the biggest misconception or the biggest misunderstanding still that you're hearing from clients and would-be clients? It's, It's people thinking that they don't have to do anything. Right? And, and this is the message, the message that we are really trying to get out is that it doesn't matter if you're a tiny business, if you don't have any revenue or if you're in a free zone, you still have to do your compliance steps. You absolutely have to register. You've got to do your proper accounting and then you'll need to file a tax return as well. Let's get uh, a real-life example, because also joining us, uh, a real-life SME owner, no less. Uh, the CEO and the founder of Moame Equestrian, Yasmin Ibrahim, joins us live in studio. Yasmin, thanks so much indeed for your time. Hi, thank you for having us. Are, are you tax ready? I will be. <laughs> Brilliant I will be, answer. Yes. I mean, just to that point that uh, JC made a few minutes ago about um, the, the sort of the misconceptions about tax here. Did you did you think it was something that would not affect your business? When did you become aware of your tax responsibilities? Um, well, actually, we had to have a consultation with Virtue Zone because in the beginning we were also thinking we are just a startup. We don't need to register yet. Um, and, and at what point did it, it become clear that you did? When we had the consultation with VirtuZone and they said, you might not even have to pay tax, but you still need to register. Was that consultation painful? No. Fairly straightforward, <laughs> yeah. Tom, stop picking on Yasmin. You yeah. are, you're a bit of a businessman they're yourself. Very you're, you're on stage. They're very helpful. But you came out, of, but the point I'm trying to get to is that you came out of that consultation having yes. a better understanding of those responsibilities, is that Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, because a lot of people, I suppose, um, Petri, will, will, will look at this and go, yeah, yeah, but there's going to be a hidden fee somewhere along the way, isn't there? There you what go. What is Virtue's own Come on, let's, let's put the pressure on the accountant here because <laughs> I, I think that now, thanks to the good guys at ARN, there's a lot of people out there who realise, ah, I'm in a free zone, but I still need to register for tax. I have one dirham of revenue, but I still need to register for tax. Mm. Next step is, hold on, so you're offering free this, free that, a guarantee. JC, my grandfather said to me, if something sounds too good to be true, it's not true. So what's the catch? No, it's true. Okay, so so the thing is, we are so confident in our product and the price that we're, that we're offering this that at the end of that three months, we really believe that the majority of, of those clients will stick with us, you know, stay with us all the way through to filing of the tax return and beyond. Okay, if they don't, if they decide that they want to go and spend a lot more money and go and hire an accountant or spend days trying to learn how to do it themselves, 
that's absolutely fine. We're glad to have so helped. So customers in control. Yep, customers and in complete Yasmin control. will Yasmin be able to sell more beautiful breeches from her equestrian company because she's used you? Absolutely. She will save time and money by staying with us beyond that, you know, beyond that free period. So just to be absolutely clear, someone comes on, takes the free package, you know, we're glad to have helped if they decide that they want to spend more with someone else, you know. So it's not a godfather to... offer because the godfather offer came with a catch, didn't it? And, and a horse's head. <laughs> so it's a big catch. <laughs> uh, I think it was cement uh, slippers, wasn't it? Something like that. Um, yeah. Yes, I mean, to you as well. I mean, having gone through the consultation, having be, been clearer on your tax responsibilities now, uh, does that does that raise a weight off your shoulders in terms of what comes next as well in the management of tax and your tax responsibilities? Yes, absolutely. Because when you're a startup, there's so many other things that you need to learn mm. and worry about. So it's perfect that we have VirtuZone helping us taking that off. And it's, I suppose, JC, that sort of also builds into this thing. There's a lot of startup founders like Esmin, like others as well won't be accountants by trade. They won't be numbers people by trade as well. They're creators, you know, they're artistic, etc. Yeah, and that's, that's why they're the founders. That's what they do best, right? And that's why we are here, so that they can focus on what they do and we can just alleviate all that stress, take, take all those tasks off them and, and, you know, and especially for start, do it for free. We had a... Um a recruit do they like being called recruitment people these days or headhunters i can't remember what it's a talent search etc yep. sat in exactly the same chair uh, on uh, the show a couple of days ago and they were saying they were seeing a spike in the demand for in-house tax accountants um you mentioned that just a minute ago as an option but for small startups is that an option no i mean they they don't have the budget to be spending thousands and thousands of dirhams a month on on accountants Right. I mean, we know that the demand is going up for, for, for tax accountants here, so therefore the salary costs are going, you know, through the roof. He says, I know, looking I, at Neil. I, <laughs> I know. I, I think I. I think I know the the, the recruiter that was was here because right. we've um, chatted before. I think it was Connor from. from it was. From yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Know him well, um, and I know the salaries that are you know of, of the people that they're recruiting. There is no way that a startup company wants to spend that kind of money yeah. just to be tax JC, compliant. I heard another rumour that Tinder searches for accountants has gone up <laughs> after this. Can, can you comment? Um, Your I, wife I like, is I like listening. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife is listening. Uh, like, tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll ask some of the cool. accountants in the team if, if they're getting a bit more attention and, uh, and we'll report back. VirtuZone are helping make you tax ready. They have made a pledge to help 10,000 companies become tax ready by offering free accounting services. Uh, their founder and chairman is, of course, Neil Petch. And he's, we he's, wearing, he's, he's wearing the words on his sleeves. He's wearing his emotions on his sleeves. What's your T-shirt say for those that can't well, see? Well, listen, firstly, I put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> like and we've that. pledged 50 million, so I may as well wear it too. And it says <laughs> to the short-sighted, I love tax, which any English or American person is going to come out in palpitations. But what it really says, ladies and gentlemen, is I love being tax ready at taxready.ae. See, that's it. That's the next TV commercial done. Uh, we've also got uh, the man in charge of accounting and tax, the managing director of accounting and taxes, John Casey. He's joined us live in the studio. And alongside John, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have the CEO and the founder of Moame Equestrian, Yasmin Ibrahim. So, uh, again, thank you to both of you. I've uh, got a couple of questions that we want to quickfire uh, to you, John, if we can. So, JC, sure. one coming through from Druv says, does the small business relief apply to free zone companies uh yes it does and 
this is actually a question that we well that we looked at with the consultation call with 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 Moa May. So, a company that is registered in a free zone like like Moa May is. Um, the first thing you need to look at is whether they meet the criteria for the for the free zone exemption. It's co- called a qualifying free zone person. Now, in the case of Moa May, we know from their activities and the location of their clients, the people they sell to. So just just to just to re- remind everyone. Yeah, so, sure. So what's so you, it's it's all online, isn't it? Yes, as of now, we are an e-commerce business. We sell from our website, moame.com, as well as our social media, yep. uh, Moame Official. And, and the products are mainly horse riding gear for... Yeah, horse yeah. riding gear for the young riders and women yep. in the UAE. Yeah. yeah. So, so based on the activity and the location of the clients, they, they wouldn't meet the criteria for the qualifying free zone exemption. However, given that they are a startup, they don't expect their revenue, or um, Yasmin was telling me that they don't expect their revenue to go over the three million dirham threshold mm-hmm. for small business relief next year. So that means they won't be paying tax because they'll meet the small business relief rules. They'll still have to do the compliance steps. So they still absolutely have to register. They still need to do proper accounting and they'll still need to file a tax return. That was another of the yeah. questions. What is proper accounting? Yeah, so, so we use that term deliberately because there are slightly different standards. Most companies need to need to meet what's called international financial reporting standards, right? IFRS. So that's not so much of a mouthful each time. It differs slightly depending on the size of the business. But the main thing here is that you can't just kind of send in your bank statements, right? You've, you've actually got to, as a rule of thumb, you, you really need to be using proper accounting software. So, mm. you know, Zero or there's one called Wafik that we a lot of our clients use, um, and you know, and make sure your accounts are up to standard. And that's why we offer this accounting service because a lot of people, gen, you know, normally don't know how to do, the, mm. do this themselves. Listen, we are out of time on this occasion, but the good news is uh, that the VirtuZone team are going to be buck, as they say. They're going to come back and they're going to explain this one over the course of the next couple of weeks, not just here on Dubai I-103.8, not just here uh, on starting up with VirtuZone, but across our sister stations uh, as well. So we'll be hearing a lot more from JC over the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, Mr. Casey, thanks so much indeed to you. Uh, Thanks for everything. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. You'll be back in tomorrow, probably. Probably. <laughs> He's got a Looking face for radio. That. Come on. Uh, uh, Mr. Neil Petch, can't thank you enough as well for making this happen. Thanks, boss. Uh, great to have you on board. Remember, hashtag be your own boss. Get in touch with Virtuzone for any further questions. Final words have to go to Yasmin as well. So we've used you as a working example, Yasmin, over the last couple of... So we deserve, you deserve a free plug. Moa May Equestrian, where do we find it? We, you find us on our website, moamay.com, as well as our socials, Moa May Official. And how do we spell that? M-O-A-M-A-E. Dot com. Dot com. Cool. E-Q-U. I can't even do a question. <laughs> uh, bless you. Thanks so much indeed. Uh, thank big thank you. you to you, Yasmin. Uh, and to all of our guests, uh, we will be back next week, uh, same time, one through till two on a Thursday. Till then, we love being tax ready. Starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8.